five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Okay, this is from Brand United. What direct mail looks like in 2021 and beyond. It's from Brand United, which has a lot of good stuff in here. Um, basically, it starts off with the proliferation of electronic communication gives is, annoys people. Yeah, right. You know, that junk mail thing, we did the junk mail thing earlier in the week. It's, you know, you can't help in advertising, you can't help talking to some people that aren't interested. You know, uh, I'd walk a mile for a camel. That was when I was a kid. By the time I was old enough to smoke, they would ban the cigarette ads. But I still remember it. Did that offend me? No. I think the camel should be walking for you, but that's different. (laughs) I can still remember the... Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. And uh, cross your heart bras, lift and separate. I um, never brought, bought one of those either. <laughs> but, you know, you you were messaged to. See, part of the point of advertising is to talk to people who may not know they need your product. May not even know the product exists, right? May not know there's a better sub sandwich, Jimmy John's. I'm not sure it's better. It's sure not better than my wife's Italian subs. Man, oh, man. But that's okay. Anyway, so don't worry that there's, I mean, annoyance itself is not an argument for mail. Because it can be plenty annoying, you know. Uh, The solution, direct mail. Is that a problem? No, the problem isn't annoyance. The problem is ineffectiveness, okay? You, You stop your direct you stop your digital and nothing happens and you think well was it doing anything in the first place probably not that's how you test okay the physical mailbox is unsaturated that's an opportunity right and 37 percent of people say they look forward to receiving mail that doesn't matter either you have to look at your mail for two reasons one because important things come like tax bills and utility bills still, for me anyway, but tax bills for everybody come in the mail, right? An occasional check, not very often. You probably get that direct or positive. But bad news can come in the mail. A subpoena, an overdue parking ticket, those tolls that you didn't pay because you didn't think they could tell because you had a rent car, and you get a bill for 600 bucks. That kind of stuff comes in the mail. You have to look at mail because there's still some things that could get you in trouble. Also, as one of my kids told me, I couldn't deal with mail when I was in the when the lockdown started, so I just stacked it on my table. I've heard Napoleon did that. I've heard Napoleon didn't open mail for two weeks because most things weren't that important or were already solved. You can probably do that, but if you let it go long enough, you're going to have a very big pile. Even if there's much mail coming. You still have a very big pile of mail that you got to deal with. So you got to deal with it. There's no way around it. You have to deal with mail, right? Okay, so since, oh, thanks, Ed. Okay, yeah. You have to deal with mail. So if you're going to deal with mail, you might as well deal with mail, right? Whether the box is full or empty, you still have to deal with it. Okay, now, here's another study. I always like it when someone says another study. Now, they do give a link. Is that is that licensed to say anything you want? A study says. Anyway, generate purchases five times larger than email campaigns. Five times? Is that a credible number? No. Plus, you know, 
on average, let's see, what is my, you know, if I take all my mail costs, my style consultant writing the copy for my email, my 50 bucks a month for MailerLite, my, um, you know, aggravation, boil it all down, we maybe do 10,000 pieces of email a, a, a month, okay, boil it all down, we spend, if we spent $100, that would be, uh, I mean, $1,000 is not, it's not even 500 but let's just say $500 a month to do all of that. Um, okay, that's a nickel a piece. And if you can get in the mail for a dollar piece, then mail is 20 times more expensive. <laughs> okay? Mail is 20 times more expensive. Or if it's 10 cents, it's 10 times more expensive. The email is 10 cents. Okay, so that means that it doesn't matter that it's five times more effective if it's 10 times more expensive. You know, sometimes I wonder if anybody reads these articles that they write. I just don't really know. Okay? On top of that, mail has staying power. No, it's not on top of that. If with all that staying power and with the unexplored mailbox and empty mailbox, you still only get five times more response, then mm, it's, it's half the ROI. Okay, and then in addition, combine it with you're spending the money anyway on on email. So what's the point? Sorry, sorry. If that's what direct mail looks like and beyond, it's not. There's not much point to it, and it doesn't. I don't think it gets any particularly better. Sorry. I may not link to to that uh, author. Let's see, what's her name again? Sarah. Okay, Sarah. Happy to hear from you if, you know, I'll, I'll put your name on it. But, mm, vacuous numbers, vacuous logic, and no ROI. Okay, oh, 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 okay, so now our next one. Better ROI in 2021, okay? Business-to-business community, okay? Did you know that direct mails, interesting that this is plural. I've never seen that before. I'm not sure where this is coming from. But anyway, direct mails have a response rate of 5% compared to less than 1% for email. So that would be maybe the same study that says it's five times better. But, you know, it depends. It just depends. It depends on a lot of things. I've had, I've had companies that run consistently on 0.5% response and grew and were profitable. They had a very big average order size, but you can do that, right? Or I've had people that get a couple of percent response and don't make money at all. They have a low-item low commodity product, like Blockbuster was trying to talk me into to helping them. It didn't make any sense. Okay, the cause of such heavy response is simple. Direct mails are more personalized than tangible. Well, tangible, I'll grant. More personal? I don't know how. I don't know how it's any more personal. personalized. But anyway, now a new study, this is a new study, says 73% of Americans like to receive direct mails over digital instead of digital. Okay, does that matter? No, it doesn't matter. What's the effectiveness? We're going to get to that, okay? Now, don't just use a mailing list. Use validated data, okay? Take your buyer persona and combine it with market research. Okay, so, you know, I've told you about, about Wyndham Hill Records. They called me up and said, you know, would you help us with our catalog? We don't need to make money. And I said, I don't work with people who don't want to make money. And so they hung up. And a month later, they called back and said, we've decided we want to work with you. <laughs> I said, do you think you can make money? Well, if you think so, we'll give it a try. Okay, so that's fine. So they fly me out to San Jose. 
beautiful place. We had some great oysters and uh, great coffee. You know, that was back in the day when we didn't have a coffee place on every corner. And they they told me, and some of the work that you do as a consultant is to, to, to learn to keep a straight face when people tell you stuff. But they said to me with a straight face, they said, well, our market research says that all our customers are are men 35 to 55, high income, high education. You know, sort of like Silicon Valley people. But we rent those kind of lists. Remember, they've done this with market research and a buyer persona. But with when we rent those kind of lists, nothing happens. Well, you know, later... I looked up the numbers, so I'm not doing this just off the top of my head, but there were about 13 million people, men, upper income, upper education, 35 to 55 in America. But how many of these little CDs do you get rid of in a year? They said, oh, about 4 million. I said, okay, that's good. And mostly at retail, right? Yeah, right, meet retail. Okay. I said, did you ever think about that, that, um, you know, even by those numbers, even if all your customers, 100% of your customer persona was that description, you're still only getting to about a third of them, even if, if they only bought once. If some of them buy twice, then it's even less, okay? So just because all your customers are that does not mean that all those kind of people are your customers. I'm not surprised it didn't work because maybe they don't like your music, and not 100% of your customers are going to fit your customer persona. As we covered last yesterday in the buyer decision process or the or that hexagon, the hen, hen, no, James, I can't remember your last name. Anyway, that was just unbelievably great. Um, but people don't follow the patterns that you lay out for them. They don't follow your customer persona, and they might be buying baking soda to keep their refrigerator nice rather than to do baking. Huh. All that said, I told him, why don't you put a card in your little CDs that you get rid of at retail and say, well, did you know we have a catalog? Would you like one? He said, really? I said, yeah. So within about six months, we generated 600,000 names of people who wanted to receive a Windermill catalog in the mail. And we got, I don't remember, a 15% response. So 15% response, 90,000 new customers. And guess what they did? They hired me for hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to keep that growth going. No, wrong. They sold out to BMG Records for 15 or 17 million. The owner got rich. I made my five grand. <laughs> but the point is, it depends, right? And, ah, yeah, postcard. It could be a postcard. It could be a catalog. It could be a lot of things. And how do you do allocation? On, and, and all these studies, they don't know what they're doing in, in attribution. They don't know how to tell which caused more, more impact, the mailing or the, or the email. And they're all advocating that you combine the two so you don't have a clue what's going on. Here's the best. Launch and test. I love this. This is great. Now, this is real. This over here. Oops, wrong way. Anyway, <laughs> IBM hired me. Actually, Gray Direct, the ad agency, hired me to do the numbers, to, to, to pitch IBM. I said, well, which numbers do you want? The ones to get the account or the ones that I think will happen? They said, well, why don't you give us both? <laughs> 
I asked him a year later, uh, what happened? And they said, well, you were right and you were right. We got the account and it did exactly what you told us it really would do. Uh, so anyway, they ha- put me in a big room with IBM, and uh, you know, and IBM was launching a catalog for the AS400s back in the day, you know, and uh, they said, well, h- how much does a catalog cost? They said, oh, you can do a nice one for a buck or so, and funny, you still can. That's the amazing part. That's the amazing part of the U.S. Postal Service and the print industry. It's unbelievable. The lists have gone up a bit, the postage has gone up a bit, but you can still do a pretty decent catalog for around a buck. Or even less. So uh, the world is an amazing place, I have to say. But anyway, so I said, oh, a buck, give or take. You know, you can do a real nice one for a buck. They said, well, how many businesses are there in America? I said, oh, you know, 10 to 14 million, depending on what you count. You know, like once you get below 10 employees, there isn't much, and you probably don't need to mail them. They said, you mean for uh, 10 million lousy dollars, we can send a catalog to every business in America? I said, yes, I think you could. And I said, but, uh, you know, you might want to do test and rollout in that, you know, make sure you have enough phone lines, make sure you have some inventory, you know, to sell something. Oh, that's not our job. Our job is just to do the catalog. Uh, so they just mailed, I think that, you know, I tried to explain test and roll up, but they didn't listen and they mailed like all 10 million on one day. And, uh, they got so many orders that within two days or something, they were sold out of everything and the phones were jammed. They couldn't place an order. Good morning, David from Sacramento. And, uh, it took him like two years to get any credibility back. It's just after a while, people gave up calling, you know. Uh, so this is a very good lesson to know. Okay, launch with 10% of your mailing list, right? And here it says, experts say that your direct mail response rate should never be less than 2%. <laughs> I don't know where this guy gets this stuff. Personalization is no more a choice. It's a necessity. Okay, now here's the bottom line on all this stuff. And that is not true either. Sometimes a title slug works better, as I've told you over and over. You know, when we were in the, in the, um, we, we, I shouldn't tell you this story. It's a good story, though. So AT&T decided to hire a questionable vendor that was inept uh, for their imprinted merchandise business. They, they had designed a globe. You know, remember the old globe that was on the AT&T logo? <clears throat> well, Anyway, they 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 designed they got a vendor that didn't know what they were doing, and didn't have enough inventory, and couldn't really personalize to the division level. So AT&T employees didn't for their picnic didn't want it to say AT&T. They wanted it to say AT&T Long Line Division or whatever it was. So all the other merchants and and decorators in the in the country. We're getting orders from AT&T people without really knowing what they were doing either. And so we got a letter one time for from AT&T Corporate Legal <clears throat> saying that we were no longer allowed to take an, author, take an order from an AT&T employee. So we went to our fancy law firm, one of the, I think it was the biggest one um, in Foley and Lardner, good, you know, <clears throat> international law firm and they said oh AT&T doesn't have a leg to stand on but they could sue you <laughs> and it would be a lot of trouble 
and you want you know you won't win but they'll just beat you to death so you might want to stop this well instead i called up at&t and i said well would you send us because uh, they had asked us to bid on the, the original original rfp this is too good a story uh so anyway they'd allowed us to allowed us to bid on it this may prove personalization it may not i don't know but uh, i said could you send us the rule book on how you do your logos so they did and what i found out was there were six different globes unknown to me and if they were uh, in a small size, you'd use one with very few lines, and if they're in a big size, it had lots of lines, okay, like only six or 12 or nine. And it, if it was on a light surface, it had one use of the globe. If it was on a dark surface, it had another, because if you put the wrong one on the wrong thing, it would look like it was a dented-in globe instead of a shiny globe. Fascinating. I had never figured that out. So then a little while be, after that, we went to the National national Merchandise Show, and half the logos on display were wrong, at least half. But half were reversed wrong. None of the decorators knew the rules. So I thought, marketing opportunity here. <laughs> Instead of saying no, Foley and Lardner said we, we were going to do great. When we ran our, our lists, we had the Merge Purge Company look for AT&T. Well, they didn't exactly look for it. They looked for a match. And so they said, well, can you give us a couple of versions of AT&T to look for? So we looked in our in our computer of how AT&T employees had told us the name of their company. And there were 30 versions of AT&T. 30. Upper lowercase, periods in between, spaces in between, no spaces. 30 different versions of just three letters. <laughs> Which just shows you what a kind of nutty world we live in. Okay, so I said, well, if you ever, whenever, you know, as we run the merge and go through all the addresses and see if there's matches, if you see any of those, put them to the side. And so we would put them to the side, and then in our mailing, we would we had a little thing that I wrote that said basically, AT&T employees, we know the rules. We'll make sure you don't get in any trouble. Man, that outpulled our hotline. That outpulled our best customers. That was the best thing we ever did. Uh, was it personalized? No, it was generic. It was to any anybody with AT&T in the name. Now you can call that personalization, but that's that's a higher level of customized uh, customized inkjet message than most of our other mailings got. So in a sense, in a you know sloppy sense, it was personalized, but pff, it pulled like crazy. Okay, so personalization, and sometimes a title slug would outpull a person's name because they'd moved on to other jobs or other companies, okay? And we talked about triggered response, and we're going to talk tomorrow about retargeting with mail. Gone are the days. I could use this as a, as a heading for this, for this show. Gone are the days when direct mail marketing was just a traditional way to send prospects Christmas cards. Use mail and find somebody who knows what they're doing. So go over to WDMA and subscribe, join, encourage us in our in our mission. Have a great day. Bye-bye.